Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. What is one thing that you'll repeatedly sing the praises of uh, that other folks might not appreciate or be aware of? Like, what are you? Uh, what are you kind of a cheerleader for? Oh gosh. Okay. One thing. I've got three things. Oh my goodness. All right. A couple of things. So penny loafers. <laughs> Paper planners. Wait, no, you can't stop. We're going to go through oh. this one by one. Why penny loafers? Oh, because high heels are overrated. Okay. And I penny love loafers a specifically short for women. Oh, for women. Yes. Or for, yes. for oh, individuals for who wear high heels or are expected to wear high yeah, heels. Yeah, no. Okay. Maybe I just had a reaction, not for men somehow in my mind. Yes. Yeah. See, I don't, I I don't think love that penny reminds loafers. me. Yeah. It reminds me too much of like I went to Catholic high school and we wore uniforms. So penny oh. loafers for um, men. But a penny loafer for me. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Great news. All right. Next. Yeah. Okay. Paper planners. Oh, I feel okay. like I don't have to explain that. You don't have to explain that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And then more recently, like old school e-readers, like a, like a, just a plain Kindle. Oh, that you can do nothing else except for read on. Yeah. Just read. Are I guess you... you could just do a book, but books take up, I feel like paper and all that. Yeah. So this this wasn't get into an argument. This that. wasn't my answer, but we're we're going to talk about this. Are you more of a okay. an e reader? Do you like digital media, like uh, reading medium, or do you like books more? Like if the, if if space wasn't an issue. Oh no! Then I would then books. Okay, for sure. But I like having the ability to have many books in my I pocket. See. Okay. Because I am a switcher of books. Like I'll be reading a couple books at once. Okay. And then also, um, yeah, I mean, but space. But space not, you know, notwithstanding. Yeah. See, I'm kind of the opposite. I I, uh-huh. I hate e-readers for me personally. I don't engage yeah. with them like I would otherwise. And I, I oh, very really? much, yeah, I appreciate a physical book. Like something to me is just, I love a physical book. I'll, I'll make room for it. I 100% understand the arguments. My partner has yeah, an yeah. e-reader, all of that. But no, I am a... I, I personally cannot engage on an e-reader. Really? Um, it's just not, yeah, it's just not quite quite how I how I work. Um, what are the things like, or you have a question about this? Well, I was going to say, what if they could somehow make an e-reader that smelled like a book? You know, I don't know. I actually don't know what it is about oh, books. Okay. I don't know like specifically yeah. what the experience is. I do like having a physical book though, because that's a thing my, yeah. uh, my partner gives me crap because I don't like, I was going to say, I don't like libraries. That's not true at all. I will sing the praises of libraries. I think libraries are very important, especially in this specific moment. Uh, But I like owning books because part of our decor in our household are, no, seriously, (laughs) books. We have books everywhere. Uh, So like that's something that's really meaningful to me. Um, And this is really funny because this is going to transition out to something that I'm like going to kind of advocate for. That That is so... It's this is not who I am, but I've just discovered this recently. Um, I got married last fall, as you know, as okay. listeners yes. know, and it was the first time in my life that I ever we we it wasn't a super fancy wedding, it was very us, but instead of having a tuxedo, I bought myself a tailored suit. Um, yeah, it's the first time in my life that I've ever really had anything tailored for me, and this is like it's not super fancy, to, but like off yeah. the rack, opposed to just buying something off the rack, okay, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this suit is, I've worn this suit. We got married in October. I've worn this suit over a half dozen times in three months. I'm not a fancy person. We do not do fancy things. But if there is just like an opportunity for me to like put at least like this jacket on, 
that like fits yeah. me so, so very well. And so like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm still, I'm wearing like a, a thermal Henley today. I yeah. wear flannel all the time, <laughs> right? Like I am not a fancy yeah. person, but like have the opportunity to like, just get like one thing that fits you really nicely. It doesn't even have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be expensive or anything like that, but just like something that fits you mm. really well. Oh, there's just something, there's just something about yeah. it. It's a really nice suit. Oh, thank you. I'll give you that. I, this, yeah. isn't even, like, this isn't even the purpose of this, but I do appreciate that. <laughs> Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Vicki Thompson. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. Okay. We are here talking about things we love and things yeah. we want to sing the praises of. And and it's, Vicky, it's not just to talk about how good I look in a suit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you've been waiting to talk about how good you look oh in a suit. Oh my gosh. I'm going to like regret this entire beginning of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but here we are. Uh, but no, there is, there is always a, there is always a third pod serving like, there is a method to my madness, essentially. Okay. Tell, tell me about this. Okay. What so, are we, What are we hearing today? <laughs> it might be roundabout, but we are <laughs> hearing from a director at NASA who, in addition to her many, many responsibilities, uh, she's not out here kind of doing her own QVC channel like, like we are uh, hawking wares and that type of thing, but she is advocating on behalf of her division and sing the praises of her division and the folks who work for her and the really great work they do to make sure they have the support and resources that they need to do that critical work. Our interviewer was Ashley Hamer. My name is Krista peters Ladard. I am currently the Acting Director for Sciences and Exploration at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Amazing. So what, what specifically does that entail? Well, the Sciences and Exploration Directorate contains four different divisions that look at Earth and space science. So our four divisions are the Earth Sciences Division, the Heliophysics Division, which does space weather and everything about the sun, the Solar System Exploration Division, which of course studies planetary science as well as not just our own solar system, but other solar systems, and also our Astrophysics Division, which of course studies the universe. You know, I oversee really critical programs that are either orbiting or in development. And so a lot of our time is spent making sure that those programs are successful. So many of you have seen some of the amazing images from our James Webb Space Telescope or from some of our Earth science missions, like the Global Precipitation Measurement Mission. You know, most some of you may have seen our OSIRIS-REx grab a sample from the asteroid Bennu. I mean, those are the kind of things that we review. We want to make sure they're on track, that things are, um, they have what they need. And so my job is to make sure we have a successful science organization. 
And so, you know, I I sort of live vicariously through all the scientists in our divisions that do the really amazing science, and I'm here to help them when things get into trouble, and then also to help direct resources towards the next big thing that we want to do. Yeah, that sounds like a really important job. That's awesome. So, just to step back, what inspired you to get into science? Oh yeah. So I mean, I loved math and science from a really early age. Like, and I just read books all the time. I loved books about constellations and earth science and volcanoes and planets. And so,、um, as I went to went through school, the the real like light bulb moment for me when was when I took earth science in ninth grade. I just loved it, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. And so I sort of went for an undergraduate degree in geophysics, and I just was looking for opportunities to do earth science. And I really found a break with the federal government, actually, because they had an internship program at the U.S. Geological Survey, and that's what brought me into hydrology, which is the field that I studied. It was through my USGS colleagues that they turned me on to remote sensing and remote sensing in hydrology, and so I my eyes were opened that you know I could use satellites and the vantage point of space to do the science that I was really into, which was understanding the water cycle, and so that's sort of what brought me to grad school and to NASA was that moment when I learned from my internship. And they said you should call the head of the hydrology branch at Goddard Space Flight Center. And so I cold called him. This was before Google, you know,、wow. before email, right? I called him, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm an undergrad. I'm looking at grad school. Where should I? What should I do? I'm interested in remote sensing and hydrology. And he pointed me to ultimately my advisor at Princeton University. Because they were doing field campaigns, and so ultimately, not only did I get my degree in that area, I later had that job. Wow! So when I came to Goddard, I became the head of the hydrology lab, <laughs> which you know. So I got to give props to Ted Ingman, Dr. Ted Ingman. He was the head of the hydrology lab that spoke to a lowly undergrad that cold called him、mm-hmm. and brought me into this. Remote sensing and hydrology that ultimately led me to this career at NASA. Oh, that's that's a fantastic story. I oh, I have so many questions. So I also want to ask you a question. I've I've been wondering about a lot as I talk to Earth science people at NASA. You you mentioned how like when you first heard about NASA, you just thought about space. I have a feeling you probably get that a lot. Like people don't really know about the Earth Sciences Division. How do you feel about that as like a a cheerleader of everything that NASA does? I mean, is that is that frustrating or is that kind of understandable? It is true that every time I go out and speak, I talk about Earth science. I'm like, you know. You've probably heard about all the planets that NASA studies, but you may not know that we really started studying our own planet, right? Planet Earth, and and you know our Earth Sciences Division is actually our largest division at Goddard, and so yes, it's a constant messaging issue to make sure that people do know that we do study Earth, and 
it's a strong and important program. But it it's true that I think the other parts of NASA capture the imagination. You know, I mean, it's just something that people, you know, that only NASA does. You know, whereas for Earth science, I think we have a lot of partners with NOAA, you know, and, and with USGS, with Landsat. I mean, we've got... There's a lot, you know, now in the commercial sector. I mean, we're there's so many folks doing earth science that, you know, it doesn't stand out like it probably it used to with our earth observing system. But yeah, it's 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 a good point. I mean, I think we I every time I talk, I message on that, but I think it's true that we we uh, it is an underappreciated part of NASA. Sure, yeah. All right, so back on you. Did you have any people or things that were sources of inspiration for you as you came up? Yeah, you know, well, I have to say, I mean, you, you start out with your parents, right? I mean, both of my parents are very technical people. I mean, my my father was an engineer, electrical engineer. My mom actually was a computer. She, like, ran a computer help desk, you know? And I mean, like, so I think they really supported me in, you know, pursuing my geeky dreams. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even even beyond that, I think one of the most important influences in my in my career was one of my teachers. So my math teacher, actually, Mr. Hesbach. And so he he was my math teacher first in middle school. And then he moved up into the high school when I moved up. So I actually had him as a teacher three times. <laughs> and uh, he also was like the coach of our math team. So we had a math contest team. Like we would take these math contests and compete statewide. Sure. Like from uh, what's the movie? Mean Girls. They have yeah. a math contest. In it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was very into math contests. Yeah. But he was really creative in his approach to teaching math, which I love. Right. I mean, it was and I think that helped keep me interested and hooked because going through high middle school and high school I mean a lot of people especially women right drop out of of math and science and I just stuck with it because I was good at it and I I loved it and <laughs> so he was a huge influence on me yeah definitely I could see that and then is there anyone that you didn't see for inspiration that you wish you had yeah you know I really didn't I mean there were many times in my career, even these internships I'm talking about, there were no female mentors. Like all of my mentors were men. So I was always wondering like, where are all the women in in hydrology? And where are all the women in earth science? And as time went on, I found them. But I think it was definitely something early on when I was in either undergraduate or even early graduate school days. It was a noticeable gap. And so I always felt I was there were definitely times when I was the only woman in the room or the only woman in a, a class. It, it just be, it, that was kind of the way it was for a while, but I'm so happy that that's, it's not that way anymore. <laughs> and were there any obstacles to you being where you are today? Yeah, so for me, I would say... Well, first of all, this wasn't an obstacle, but it was a challenge. So let me just say that, like, my family really supported me when I had my two kids, right? So when my two kids were young, it 
was hard, you know? I mean, not sleeping well, trying to, like, think. <laughs> I mean, this job is about thinking and thinking clearly, and it's hard to think clearly. You're not getting sleep, and you're dealing with a toddler, and when they get ear infections and all that stuff. So my family was super supportive. I mean, my parents stayed with us for quite a while and helped help with the kids. And then I should also point out that Goddard has on-site daycare and on-site what? lactation facilities. So amazing. amazing. Me yeah. so much. Um, what, what year was this, by the way? So, well, when I came to Goddard, it was 2001. Okay. But these, wow. um, these, so the daycare and the lactation facilities were established, I think, well before that, probably at least five to ten years before that. So just amazing. so progressive, right? Like now, now yeah. it seems like, oh, yeah, of course it does. But no, this was like a long time ago. So both of my kids went to the daycare here. We called, They called it space school. It was so cute. <laughs> space school. And they had like their class names were like the Little Dippers. It was in the constellations. It was like, oh. Yeah. So I think obstacle-wise, just trying to work, be a working mother and trying to be there for all of their events and just balancing all that was hard. So, I mean, I've my husband's been super supportive. I mean, my parents, I mean, everyone, my all my in-laws, it's been being here with a supportive family and is, has made it all possible. That's fantastic. What personal achievement are you most proud of? Yeah, so I I would say One of the big projects I led when I came to Goddard was something called the Land Information System. And this was really a huge team effort, basically developing software that does that assimilates data from all kinds of satellites and and tries to improve our understanding of the hydrology on the land surface. And that ultimately won the Software of the Year Award from NASA in 2005. So that was really awesome. But I think what's even more awesome is that it has revolutionized the way the Air Force and the USAID, a program called FuseNet, which is the Famine Early Warning System Network, they both use that software now to help them with their decisions, right? So, I mean, it's more than just like bringing a bunch of data into a system. It's actually used to help them understand, like, is there going to be a drought? And is the drought going to get more severe? And is that going to lead to a famine? And then they make decisions about aid based on our forecasts of of drought. Or in the Air Force case, they want to know, what is the soil moisture doing? How does that affect the ability of a tank to move through some area, or they want to know how does that affect the development of clouds and ultimately the visibility for Air Force. I mean, it's it's amazing. So, like, we've been able to bring the capabilities of NASA to these other agencies that are our partners. So what's next on the horizon for you? I'm the acting director right now. Um, I'm looking forward to where our science missions are headed next. So in Earth science, we have the Earth System Observatory and specifically the Atmosphere Observing System, which we are getting ready to go into formulation very soon. We're, we're working on Landsat Next, which is the next generation of the 
50-year-plus Landsat record. In heliophysics, we're working on the geospace dynamics constellation called GDC, which is going to revolutionize space weather. Um, and of course, in in the solar system area, I mean, we're getting ready to have a sample come back from an asteroid. I mean, how amazing is that? Okay. That's going to be, it's going to land this fall. We're going to be able to analyze it. It's just amazing. And then, and then we're getting ready to go to Venus, right? So we have a new mission called Da Vinci that's going to be not only orbiting around Venus, but going through the atmosphere. And, you know, we're going to, for the first time, be able to really understand more about the composition of the Venusian atmosphere. And of course, following on the success of James Webb and astrophysics, we're looking at the next big space telescope, which is the Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope. So, you know, that that's in formulation right now. And we're looking forward to a new deep field survey that's going to be, you know, many times greater than Hubble. And, and it's going to complement the kind of observations we're having from James Webb. So it's, it's a great time to be in science. So many exciting flagships and other missions going on. And that's the best part about this job is I'm, I'm learning so much about every aspect of Earth and space science. And it's just fun. I love it. <laughs> It really does sound fun. That that's, sounds super exciting. And yeah, what a time. What a time to be in Earth and space science. So what do you see as one of the biggest challenges in science today? I think that we don't always connect the dots as well as we should about the impact of science on everything. I mean... Science is the R&D for the future, right? So we, we, we learn about our universe, but ultimately we also, as we explore this universe, I mean, we're, we're understanding, you know, not only really fundamental questions about, you know, where is life, uh, you know, how did life evolve? How did our universe evolve? But also, I mean, we are, we are understanding the abundance of different elements. I mean, you know, ultimately, we might understand how different planets have evolved and how they've supported life. And we might be able to bring it back to to supporting life on Earth. Right. So, I mean, this Earth 1.0 is here, but Earth 2.0 is could be out there. And so, you know, imagine knowing our place in the universe and how we can have, you know, a sustainable path towards intelligent life going forward? I mean, these are huge questions. I think if we look at some of the challenges, not just in terms of funding, but like in terms of partnerships, right? So, I mean, the other thing that's happening right now is that the private sector is revolutionizing access to space, right? So, I mean, we didn't have all these potential opportunities to reach space before. And now we're going to have, you know, multiple space stations and we're going to have different ways to get to moon and the Mars. So I think it's it's like an exciting time, but it's a little uncertain because what is NASA's role in that? You know, how do you how do you know what is how does NASA help facilitate these partnerships and maintain a focus on the big questions while also partnering with the earth and space sector to advance this new economy 
I mean, there's going to be a new space economy, and how do, how do you protect the science if everyone lands in a certain place and they want to set up a place to live there? Well, then, what does that do to scientific investigations? You know, I mean, if you've got a permanent presence on the moon or on Mars, who decides? What you can do for scientific use versus for commercial use, so that's I think a big challenge we're going to have to navigate as we move forward. Is like, this is a new era, right? It's back with like it's like when we first started exploring the South Pole, and we set up research stations on the South Pole, and we have international agreements, you know, about who maintains what and how you help each other out. We're going to need similar, and you know, we are working on that for the Artemis Accords, right? So how do you how do you share space going forward, and how do you govern space? So lots of really thorny policy issues, but as a scientist, I'm I'm especially interested in all of the opportunities are you know can lead to amazing new discoveries and. They can lead us in paths that we can't even anticipate right now. So yeah, gosh, yeah, those are big questions, but probably pretty exciting to be able to be involved in making them right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, is there anything that you want to plug or make sure that the audience knows about what you're working on or what other people are working on? Yeah, so I would just say that NASA, especially Goddard Space Flight Center, I mean. This is a special place, right? We we conceive of new missions, we design them, we build them, we launch them, we operate them, like, and then we think of the next thing. And so, what an amazing place to be! And you know, I got to give a shout out. It's not just the scientists; it's the engineers, it's the project managers, it's the facilities folks. I mean, it's everyone. Safety. I mean. We're all part of a team, and like what I love about Goddard is the team. I feel like we work so well when we work together, and we, you know, we make great things happen. Well, Vicky, do you think this podcast is a special place? I do. I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a special, like physical and metaphorical place Aww. for me. That's yeah. so nice. I love sitting in my basement and hearing great stories and talking to you. It's fun. Yeah, and what, what folks uh, don't—they see some of this or hear some of this in our stingers oh, yeah. or uh, on on the stuff. If if you were not. If you're not finding us on uh, Instagram or TikTok, you can see, yeah. you should, because you get to see us actually do this if you're interested yeah. in that and some of our silly outtakes. Uh, but no, I agree with you. This has been uh, this has been really great. And, and the reason why we're kind of waxing a little bit poetic about this is this is the final episode of our first season, our first kind of, well, not kind of, our first weekly release season. So yeah, this has been yeah. really great, Vicky. It has been great. It's been, it's been super fun. Good. Because we're doing it again. <laughs> but uh, but in addition to all the wonderful people who made this season an episode happen, credits incoming, I want to thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, I, I would, I would, Vicky and I would do this kind of 
regardless if AG would allow us to do it because uh, this is yeah. fun for us but it, it really means a lot for all of you out there listening and responding and engaging with us um, and so just as a logistical thing we're going to take a couple months to start on season two Mm-hmm. Can you tell us anything about season two? Can you reveal anything? Sure. Yeah, we have for some, everyone. Yeah, we have some stuff nailed down. We're gonna have some mm-hmm. more stories from NASA, which will be really exciting. Uh, we're gonna be mm-hmm. talking climate change and math. And trust me, it's actually it's really gonna be super interesting. We're we're partnering with um, another organization to tell some really fun and fascinating and fantastic stories. And then, then I know this fall, I know it's a ways for now, but this is how we plan these things. Mm-hmm. We're going to dive into the science behind horror and science fiction uh, around spooky season. So uh, among other oh. things, those are just kind of the things we have listed on our slate already. I'm so excited for what the next season will bring. Yeah, yeah, no, I am too. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to still be releasing, uh, doing some re-releases, some special releases mm-hmm. in the pod on the feed. So be sure to pay attention to that. Uh, mm-hmm. But for now, that is all from Third Pod from the Sun. Special thanks to Ashley Hamer for conducting the interview and to NASA for sponsoring the series. This episode was produced by Jason Rodriguez and me with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Karen Romano Young. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please rate and review us and you can find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you next week. Again, I don't know. So, I don't know what we're doing. QV, QVC channel, I feel like QVC, like what would the title of our show be on QVC? We're selling penny loafers, paper planners, Kindles. Tailored suits. And tailored suits. <laughs> anyway. It would just be a show just for us. I don't even know what QVC shows are named anyway. Back to being basic. Back to being basic. Back to, back to in parentheses, being the basics. Yeah, that's a good one. That's actually, that's, that'd be I, it. It'd be back to being the basics. <laughs> I feel like that's a brand of socks somehow. <laughs> what, um... Third pod it, from the sun. It feels like a knockoff, like papyrus store. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, even like I know that's like the the paper planning part of it, but just like all of those things together feel very of a piece, even though they are yeah. different wares. Hmm. All right. Anyways, uh, now okay. I'm gonna look at penny loafers this afternoon online. <laughs> okay. I I want this for you.